Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. We have just completed our first week of this new school year. I can't say enough how different the school feels. It was an interesting day. One, I found out that I overhired for the parapro position. It just underscores the importance of a bookkeeper and a secretary, and now I'm forced to absorb the salary under my Title I budget, and that sucks. I got a call from a parent complaining about Miss Smith's behavior, yelling at her child in the cafeteria. Miss Smith is my kindergarten parapro. Right away, I started wondering what I'd been secretly denying. She's a hot mess. And I was praying that things were going to get better with this new kindergarten teacher. When I mentioned the phone call to the teacher, she had a look of disgust in her eyes. I called her into my office and she began to describe incidents over the first four days of school that make me cringe. She described serious mood swings and fits of anger. She described screaming directly at both the students and even at her. My, two, my new teacher even expressed disappointment in my decision to place her with Mrs. Smith. I then called Mrs. Smith to my office. In the time it took her to walk from the classroom to the office, I changed my mind three times with regard to what to do with her. I decided first to talk with her and Mrs. Norwood together. Mrs. Norwood's a teacher. Laying down the law in terms of who runs the show in the classroom. Then I decided I would document the incident. Then I finally decided to move her out of the kindergarten classroom. By the time she arrived, I was poised to bring the hammer. I informed her of the parent who contacted me, my concerns. She went on to explain how things should run and what the teacher should and should not do. After firmly explaining that she is to work in the service of the students through the teacher, I informed her of a removal from kindergarten. She asked me where she was going on Monday, and the truth was, I didn't know. I just know she was no longer a kindergarten parapro at Swint. Listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know 
equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site, go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. Reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of of nothing, nothing. And I got 950,000, 1100 books behind me right now on this shelf. And some of them are great, but none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other, explains equity like no other, speaks to you like no other, the coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. All right, baby, let's get into it. So many nuggets in this episode. I still haven't decided what to name it. Let's start with the fact that I overhired for the parapro position, which just... I mean, this is the benefit of journaling because I forgot about that. And I'm pissed all pissed off all over again <laughs> as if it's happening right now. But that's the benefit of journaling. I completely forgot that I screwed that up. My secretary slash bookkeeper was out on maternity leave and it shows. Man, listen, I tell principals all the time. I tell leaders all the time, I don't present on anything I haven't screwed up a thousand times. And man, this one is just full. This is full of uh, residuals of past culture. It's full of moments that test what you say you're about. And that's what this work is. We can talk all day long about who we say we are and what we say is important. But none of it matters until you get kicked in the teeth. And you're going to get kicked in the teeth. You know, this is why I go to some campuses and they're like, Tim, we don't need to talk about the why. Let's just get to the nuts and bolts. I was like, all right. Until we start talking about that why. And then your why gets tested. Just like you tell me your why is learning for all, but then you got ability group and ramping all over your school. You tell me about all kids learning at high levels, but the first thing you do is your first 10 conversations are about what kids can't do. This is why the why is so important because it gets tested. And the principal that got tested for me this week, I mean, there are several layers. The one that jumps off the page for me is, you know, this mantra I have, what's best for kids comes first, what's best for adults comes second. It's a close second, but a clear second. Now that's nice, it rolls off the tongue. I'm proud of myself for coming up with it. But man, when it's time to pay that piper, it's a different story. 
And listen, I'm not a mental health expert. I'm gonna tell you this pair pro was struggling on a lot of levels, including performance. There's, there's no question about it. But some of her behavior was uh, residuals of the culture I inherited, which was the mantra at our school was, we love our babies. We love our babies. And my, and my retort was like, but they can't read them. But they can't, like they can't, they don't know shit. So we loving on them and making sure to get a chicken biscuit in the morning, but we not ensuring that they learn. Anyway, this, this culture I inherited, and even a year, this is my second year now, even going into that second year still has those remnants of when it was an adult first culture. I mean, the audacity. And I, and here's the thing, here's the backdrop. And, and there's an episode about Tiffany Norwood in the past, like when I hired her, like she was one of my gems. There's no question about it. You know, I hired her based on what I communicated the culture was, but clearly we still had remnants of what was left over in the past, which was adult comfort is the priority, right? Adult needs are the priority. And we don't have strong leadership in the building, so each of us runs our little fiefdom. And I don't know who was in that classroom. You know, I don't know who uh, Miss Smith worked with extensively prior to me getting there, but apparently she had a lot of say in what went on. Because like I said, she broke down she broke down for me and for the teacher what should and should not go on in the classroom. And so I had I had to swallow that one, man. I had to swallow that one. So first it's it's a it's a continuation of rooting out that adult first culture. But I didn't I didn't help the situation completely because I did a version of something that's been done to me and I've talked about in the past episode that I hate and that's called passing the trash. And that's what I did. I hired this, I hired this badass new teacher who I knew if I nurtured her the right way is gonna take our mission forward. She's wired the right way, she's built the right way. And then I set her up with an ineffective and somewhat unstable parapro. And I knew deep down it wasn't a good fit. But I can tell you what I was thinking then, and I'm not rationalizing it. I mean, I'm gonna call myself a dumbass for thinking this. You know, I'm gonna put her in there and Miss um, Miss Norwood's competence and Miss Norwood's strengths and Miss Norwood's skill set is gonna bring the best out of Miss Smith. Now, there are some situations where that is true, but I'm keeping it. If I'm keeping it a buck with you, I knew this. I knew this pair of pro was unstable, not a good fit. Um, uh, she wasn't five alarm danger detrimental, but it's not the way you want to be set up when you've been recruited to a new organization. You've been touted as someone who's gonna come in and um, take the mission forward. And then you get saddled 
with someone who really can't get the job done. And that's the responsibility I have to bear. I passed the trash. I should have either found her a new role or, and I'm, and I'm, I'm giving you these options right now because I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting in the day-to-day of this situation anymore. I, I should not have saddled this new teacher with her. And I did. And I give Miss Norwood a lot of credit. She had a set of balls on her. Because she told me, like, I told you in the, the journal entry, like she was disappointed that I placed her in her classroom. And you know what, looking back, I admire even more for telling me that. Because I sold her on what she's gonna be able to do. And then I set her up to have to overcome some adult shit so she can get to exercising her skill set. And when I say adult shit, I'm not talking about like the mere getting along of adults. I'm, I'm saying I did not set her up for success. And I have to admit that. And I look back at this entry. I'm also proud of the fact that even though I was going back and forth before she arrived to the office as to whether or not to keep her in there, I heard her out before I made the decision. Even though I didn't need, I didn't need a lot of think time. I mean, but I, but I did hear her out. And I feel better about that because I'm on educators all the time about um, not taking information and deeming a kid capable or not capable before you raise a hand or a dry erase marker or convene a group to start teaching. Listen, in the back of my mind, I knew she wasn't a good fit. She's not a good fit for our school. I'm not gonna come up with any excuses. I put her in the wrong classroom. I didn't set her up for success. And that's just not a good move on my part. You know, wisdom wasted on, you know, folks who've lived longer. I look back now and I realize like with, with today's wisdom that I'd rather take somebody off the street who wants a job and wants to do well, I'd rather take them off the street and get them coached up than take someone who has the proper training but a toxic mindset or is somewhat unstable. But just the fact that she popped off the way she did, that wasn't necessarily her personality. It was more a statement of what the culture used to be when, you know, I famously say like there, there are five adults running the building and none of them were principal or assistant principal. You know, it, it was more associated with that than it was, you know, her being you know, ornery or super bossy or anything. That stuff was accepted. It was expected. It was just dealt with. And, you know, all those things just, just, just came to fruition. But I, I love that Ms. Norwood said, you know, I'm disappointed that you placed her in my classroom because I, again, I'm, I'm running the poorest performing school in the district. And the district is the poorest performing in the greater Atlanta area. And I'm trying to recruit high quality teachers to my school. And I breathed fire on this woman during an interview and then set her up with someone who is uh, is not gonna help her be the te best teacher she can be. And so I, I am, I'm, I'm proud of her for confronting me on that. 
and uh, that was a that was an act of integrity. Here's another thing, like secretly denying, secretly denying something I was secretly denying. You know, you got to go with your gut. I had food poisoning. I told you this last week. I had food poisoning this past week that I'm telling you, I gave my life to every religion three times just trying to just trying to get better. And I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I arrived to this place late. I usually eat decent to well. I'm married to a healthy girl, so I I eat decent to well. But it's easy to slip up on the road. And I walked into this place and I had this thought flash across my mind like, this ain't the clean, this ain't the cleanest place in the world. But then I denied it, right? Because I was tired, ready to get to the hotel. I bought some shit and then got so sick that night and the next day it was crazy. It's like, I gotta, you gotta, I do, I, I do a pretty decent job. I gotta do a better job of following my gut. And me secretly denying, me mentioning that, like I have to face what I'm secretly denying is another gut check. Like I, I should have, uh, I should have exercised my ass out of that position over the summer. And that's the truth. That is the truth. Because leaders, we do our teachers a disservice when we don't set them up for success in terms of uh, human resources, in terms of uh, clarity. And leaders have to make hard decisions. So this is the other thing I want to talk about in this episode. And that is, I could have and might have and maybe even should have taken the weekend because it's clear that that was a Friday. I should have taken the weekend to make a decision. And I can be impulsive and I'm, I'm action oriented. I'm an entrepreneur. But I'm, as I think back and as I reviewed the, the, the talking points for this episode, I felt in my gut that I needed to make a decision right there. I needed to restore the confidence this teacher had in me because my fear was she was going to be um, suffering from buyer's remorse. And I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. I'm sure you've had it. You know that feeling. You buy something, you think you're feeling good about it, then by the time you get home, you're having doubts. You wonder if you spent too much money, whether it was the right investment, was it the right time. There's nothing worse than buyer's remorse. There's nothing worse than buyer's remorse. And I know that's why I made the decision without a plan B in mind because Ms. Smith asked me right there, well, where am I gonna be on Monday? And I was like, shit, I don't even know. I do not know where you're gonna be on Monday. But what was more important to me is that Ms. Nor would go home that day um, with her confidence restored about her decision to come to our school. That was more important to me. That was the most important thing to me. So important that I changed this woman's position without knowing where I was gonna put her on Monday. And I still can't tell you, I haven't read ahead yet to see if I put her ass anywhere on Monday. But I didn't want her going home this weekend or going home that weekend 
even considering regretting the decision she made to join our staff. And so that's what that move was about. And I, I stated it right there. I wanted her to know that if there's something that needs to be fixed and it's my role to fix it, that I'm going to take steps in that direction. I also needed her to see my mea culpa right there, right there on the spot. Yeah, I messed up putting her in your class. I messed that up. I hired you to be a great kindergarten teacher and now I'm gonna show you how I'm gonna set you up for success. I'm pulling her right out of that classroom. The last thing I wanna say about this episode is, um, and everybody doesn't deal with this. I mean, some of, it's all about individual wiring and I've said it a hundred times, at my core, I'm a people pleaser. At my core, I don't like confrontation, but I've built a muscle in both those areas to deal. And one of the ways I do that mentally is this. And I practice this during my professional learning as well. I haven't always practiced it, but I've been doing it a lot more lately. And that is this, if you are bold enough to say it, then I should be bold enough to speak on it. All right, it, was, it wasn't comfortable having to put a grown ass adult in her place. But if she was bold enough to state how things should be in that teacher's classroom, to that teacher's face, and to me as the principal, I'm gonna be bold enough to shut that shit down. That's, and that's the way it is. And you know, this isn't directly related to this episode, but in a kind of an adjacent way, I've been I've been dealing with this in PD and doing my professional learning when I when I do work all over the country. I just believe like since the pandemic, educators have just doubled down on shit that's bothering them and have doubled down on excuses. Like we don't even try to dress the excuses up anymore or explain no gene not tail on it or nothing. I mean, folks are just telling me my shit, I don't got nothing else to give, Ken. Or, and I'm getting a lot more of, Ken, uh, they're just so low, they're just so. And again, I'm just like, well, that's why your ass is there. And I asked the teacher this past week, I was like, what part of what you just described isn't your job? Like, isn't your job? And you know what? That's not gonna give me a bunch of fives on my evaluations. But I'm gonna sleep easier at night because there's nothing worse than when you have a situation and you're not able to answer that question right there on the spot. Maybe you just got caught off guard. And then two hours later when the shit's all said and done, then you think of the great answer. Well, I'm getting better at having that shit in my back pocket, you know? And leaders have to be able to make hard decisions. You talk about soft skills. Listen, all aspects of leadership is what I would call like easy reading. It's just not, it's not easy responding. You know, someone described Ruthless Equity as a book that just, it's just like it changed my life, this principle. I just uh, did some work with. And she described the book as an easy read. It is an easy read. It's an easy read. 
it ain't an easy response. Right? Shit, I'm not gonna pull my shirt up, but shit. Reading about how to get six pack abs, that's easy reading too. Shit, it's easy to read that stuff. It ain't easy to change your diet, to get them crunches going, to work your core. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I'm, I always have a response when people are just like, hey, just get to the nuts and bolts. I was like, no, 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 no. The nuts and bolts are fortified by leadership mindset. And whether it's talking about the why or confronting uh, behaviors that aren't aligned with the mission or responding to comments, it's easier to say it than to do it. But the bottom line is leaders have to be in position to make tough decisions because sometimes those decisions you don't see you don't see the fallout you don't see the benefits aren't obvious to everyone right there in the moment but it has to be done it has to be done now I'm not saying moving her from out of the classroom without a place for her to go was the right decision for me it was a calculated one I wanted Tiffany Norwood to go home with some of her confidence restored about making a decision to work at our school. And I wanted her to know that I just wasn't talking shit about setting her up to be great. And as a result, I had to eat some shit. I had to eat some, some tough decisions I made, but in the end, it was worth it. And it'll be worth it for you. So I hope you find a nugget in this lesson. I hope you tell someone about the podcast and we're back up for the fourth season. I want you to think about leadership. I, I, I say this often. You are not there to maintain the status quo. You're not there to manage shit. The managing is part of what you do, but you're not there to maintain anything. You're there to lead people. And to lead, you have to get out in front first, right? Because to lead, you have to have people following you, which means you have to get out there, put yourself out there, see the dawn before the day. No one wants to follow transformation that happens one centimeter at a time unless you've already communicated what the end result is going to be. Then incremental improvement is fine. But if you never communicate what the end result is going to be and we just inch along trying to survive day to day, that's not leadership. That's not leadership. You just maintain it. All breakthroughs are born of disruption. Remember to start with the crown, not with the kid. And may the bridges I burn light the way. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.